Welcome to this new episode of the European Hoops Podcast. We cover the EuroLeague and the top FIBA events. I am André and this is our basketball expert, Jogo Valente. Hi guys, hope everything's doing okay with y'all. We are here for another episode of European Hoops Podcast. So André, let us know, man, what do we have for today? On today's episode, we pick up where we left off yesterday. And in this part two of our recap of round 10, we will cover the games between Efes and Partizan, Olympiacos and Salgiris, Basconi and Monaco, and Red Star Milano. Towards the end of this episode, we will also preview the delayed game from round six, set to take place Tuesday between Maccabi and Real. And without wasting any more time, let's dive into the game between Efes and Partizan, where the home team secured a 194 victory in this high-scoring affair. Shane Larkin, that uh, started the week questionable, not only played, but performed at an extremely high level. He was one of the co-MVPs of this uh, round uh, 10. In this game, Larkin scored 27 points and added three rebounds, eight assists and three steals, so his personal count. The newcomers duo, newcomers to the EuroLeague, Dodger and uh, Kaminsky combined for 45 points, but that wasn't enough in a game where both teams shot over 50% from three. It was an incredibly efficient night for both clubs on this game, with both teams combining for 63 out of 107 from the floor, shooting a combined 59%. This was a night of crazy shooting numbers. FS found their advantage from the free throw line, scoring 26 out of 30 against Partizan's 19 out of 25. This was a game dominated by offense, where details made the difference, wasn't it, Yo? Yeah, first of all, uh, if Larkin needed surgery, uh, I couldn't tell from that <laughs> game. I mean, it, it might have been his best game of the season. <laughs> uh, even though Partizan killed them on the glass, I, I think Efes, they've been going to the way we wanted them to play uh, all along. I mean, they've been shooting the ball much better. They've been getting to the free throw line. They are forcing turnovers and they're pushing the pace. So I, I love that from, from Efes. I, I think that is the way for them to be successful. Uh, but for Partizan, uh, I think this is the type of game where they needed Kevin Ponter because obviously a high-scoring game, a close one too, and we know how clutch Kevin Ponter is, so he would have been huge for this team in a matchup like this. Um, but I think this is a great win for FSA. They are really starting to play the way they're supposed to and the way that gives them the best abilities to win any given matchup. So great win for FSA and great performance by Chain because that was really amazing. Yeah, that was an amazing performance and that was an amazing win for FSA. And I guess this is no time like this one to talk about Yogi Ferrell that seems to be joining Partizan and uh, joining this team of Partizan. Is he the type of guard that you wanted to see joining this team and playing for this team? I mean, it's not the ideal point guard that I would want for them. Uh, obviously, he can score the ball and, and he is a decent playmaker. Uh, but I think they need more of a floor general type, uh, a guy to really put everything in place and, and not really a scorer because uh, I think they have enough scoring outside of the point guard position. So uh, I would want to see them have a more of a floor general guy. I, I do think Yogi can help them at times, but it's not the, the type of player that I would want for this team. I, I'm actually more excited about the possibility of him joining Partizan than, than you seem to be. I just think that uh, Caboclo gave them a lot of what they needed. We are starting to see more from Kaminsky. Uh, Dogier gives them different looks. Yogi Ferrell gives them different looks. Kevin Panther uh, returning will also obviously add to this team and to what they do. I just think these are a lot of solutions, a lot of different solutions. Nanali is having a very good season. So I, I just get it, it got to a point where Partizan already have 
enough weapons at their disposal to start performing better, to start improving, and to start looking like the contender that we think that they can be. While I understand that uh, um, a pure playmaker that uh, plays for others, puts the pieces in place, will certainly be ideal. I think that Yogi Ferrell can do that at a high enough level and bring in the scoring that... Um, it won't be immediate. I think it will take a while. I don't think we will see the impact that we saw uh, Shabazz Napier having last season with Milano, that as soon as he arrived, it literally unlocked everything and everything started to look much better. I don't expect to see that here, but I think that uh, once we reach January, I think with all these weapons and all these pieces, uh, Partizan will be playing at a high enough level for them to be contending to, to reach the, the final four and to be on that fight once again. Let's continue and let's uh, this time talk about the game between Olympiakos and Jalgiris where the home team secured the important 17-point win with the final score of the game being 89-72. to Alec Peters, who else continues his great season being the most valuable player for Olympiakos with 22 points, 6 rebounds and 2 assists. Cannon, uh, 25 points performance, shooting 8 of uh, 12 from the floor and the perfect 5 of 5 from the line was also a very important contribution on this game and for this victory. Jalgiris had in Keenan Heavens once again their best performer, but with only uh, 18 three-point shots taken in the game by the whole team, not by just Keenan Heavens, despite them shooting 44.4% from deep. They didn't have enough firepower to compete in this game and we have spoken about this over and over again. They are outmatched in terms of talent against the uh, many other teams in this Euro League. And they are a good three-point shooting team. They just don't really take it in enough volume to help them to be more competitive. And in matchups like this one, it's uh, somewhat strange to see them taking only 18 three-point shots when shooting well at over 40%, at over 40% clip, but uh, just not doing it in volume. Can we sum up this game as a deeper and stronger team being able to impose themselves? Yeah, of course. I mean, uh, I think that that was the usual here. I mean, great defense from Olympiakos and just not enough for Zalgiris offensively. Um, Isaiah Cannon uh, has been asserting himself as one of the best shooters in the competition. Uh, Alec Peters keeps playing like a, an MVP candidate and uh, I've seen it all. I mean, I've seen enough. Uh, Alec Peters is better than Sasha Vezenkov. I'm just joking. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just joking. No, but he's obviously playing at a very high level and if Olympiakos had a better record or if they were in a better position, he might have been in the MVP conversations because he's really playing at an insane level and I'm definitely surprised and I loved it. Uh, I think he's playing at a very high level. Um, but Zagiris definitely needs to do something because Keenan Evans needs help out there, especially as far as scoring goes. I mean, obviously, uh, Roland Smith will always help and will always do his job, but he's not a scorer. And I think that's what this team is lacking, uh, especially on the wings. I think they need a, a scoring wing because they, they need more. Like, this is not enough to, to compete with, and if their aspiration is to, to make the playoffs or to fight for a playing spot, this is not enough. And they definitely got to have to do something. They, they need to add somebody because they're not going to do it like this. It's really going to be hard for them to even compete, let alone win games. So they definitely need to do something. Yeah, we expected them to add somebody after Brasdakis left. Uh, now even more after they lost Mitterlong. And it's just... 
as long as they take to do it, and they certainly are looking for opportunities and for players to be able to add. They are, are obviously looking into all the options available. But as long as they take to do it, the harder will be for them to be able to, in the end of the regular season, to be on the play-in or on the playoff fight that they certainly will like to be. And Jalgiris always tries to fight to be on that fight. But uh, for as long as they drag that decision and for as long as they drag bringing in someone that they clearly need, uh, a wing scorer, a big man, they can use uh, many, many reinforcements for this roster and for this team. And uh, for as long as they take to to do it, the harder will be for them to be on the, that stage of the competition and competing against uh, these teams like Olympiacos that uh, clearly outperform and outplayed them on this game. And as we approach the end of our recap of round 10, with only two games left, we head to Vitoria, where we witnessed a highly competitive game between Basconia and Monaco and how well this Basconia team is playing. After Ivanovic, they really stepped up and are performing at a much better level. The MVP of this game was, and again, I will say unsurprisingly, Mike James, <laughs> who with another high-level performance led Monaco to a win that kept them tied for fourth place in the, in the standings. James had 28 points, 8 rebounds and 5 assists. And besides Mike James, only half of Diallo had a double-digit performance for Monaco with 13 points, while Chimo Moneca was a shadow of what he has been able to do this season, ending the game with a negative plus-minus of minus 13. Sadakerskis was a go. He was able to play, and he was questionable heading to the season. And he continues, in my opinion, to prove himself as a high-level player. And he ended this game with 13.7 rebounds and 2 assists, and he clearly is one of the most important players for this uh, Basconia team. Monaco ended the game with only six turnovers. Their ability to take care of the ball combined with outscoring Basconia in both second chance points, 18 to 8, and in points of turnovers, 19 to 5, was crucial for them to conquer this important road win. What caught your eye on this game, Dio? Uh, definitely the, the great job Monaco did taking care of the ball. Uh, but I mean, when you have that elite core of guards, <laughs> do a good job taking care of the ball and leading the offense. Um, uh, what that, what caught my eye? Uh, you were right, predicting a revenge game. <laughs> like <laughs> it wasn't really Chio Moneke, but Mike James, man, what a game, bro! Like without Jordan Lloyd and with Okobo having an off night, man, did he step up? Like he, he carried Monaco on this one, and Basconi was not able to contain him. He, he just did everything he could. He he wasn't gonna let Monaco lose this game. Uh, and even though he missed that three, and, and then Blossom game had the the putback. Mike was just so good throughout the 40 minutes. Like It was just a super competitive game, and I thought that Monaco would have an advantage here on this matchup, but in a, such a close game at home, maybe Basconia would have been able to pull it out, but Monaco just did a, a very good job staying consistent at the end. And then that putback, being at the right place at the right time, this was a great win for Monaco. It was a hard game on the road against a Basconia team that has been much better. And they showed it again on this one. Even though they lost, they, they played very good defense. And I think that's the way for them. So great job by both teams. And it's just only one team had Mike James. So <laughs> That's beautifully said. I believe that you won't disagree with me saying that Mike James is at this moment the clear number one in the MVP race of the EuroLeague. So I want to, to push the episode a bit back and make you a question. If Olympiacos and Virtus were tied in the standings, who would you have ahead in the MVP race between, obviously, Proko Shangelia and Alec Peters? 
That's actually a very tough question. <laughs> it is. It really is. I think I would probably have Shengelia because his role, like, I think he impacts the game more for Virtus than Peters does for Olympiakos. Yeah, yeah the, the playmaking and the IQ. Not saying that Alec Peters doesn't have that, but I just think that the impact is more uh, for Shengelia than it is for Peters within their teams. So that would probably be the way I would differentiate it, but both guys deserving for sure. Yeah, the um, what Peters is able to do he's doing it at a level that is high enough for us to even I don't think either of us thinks that he's actually on the MVP race at this moment but he's performing at a level that allows us to have this type of conversation regarding him Shengelia has a, is way more impactful and it's way harder to replace in what he's doing for this Virtus team and the way that this Virtus team plays depends a lot on Shengelia being able to not only be the scorer but also be the playmaker that he is being for this uh, virtual team and for me that's why I also would give him the advantage on this hypothetical scenario yeah and like when you think about Virtus you immediately think about Toko Shingeli like that's the first guy that's the first option and when you think about Olympiakos you have Walkup you have Milutinov you have uh, Isaiah Kane, like there's a lot of guys there who who impact the their that team's success and I, I do think Peters is playing uh, at the best level out of every guy on that team so far this season. But there are a lot of other guys there who who are main contributors and who also play a, a, a crucial role on that team. Uh, but even though he's playing at such an amazing level, it is an MVP level performance that he's having. Uh, I just don't think the impact is the same as Schengel. Yeah, I'm in agreement with you. And uh, without wanting to derail our recaps too much, and we will continue to move forward with the episodes This makes me wonder and makes me question you, of course, what else will I do? (laughs) (laughs) If you were to replace Peters with Vzenkov right now, do you think that Olympiakos would be having a much better season? (laughs) Come on, man. That's so unfair. Uh, It would probably be a little bit better because uh, Sasha Vzenkov has a a more impactful way of scoring. And even though Mm -hmm. Peters has had multiple 20-point games and he has been helping them with scoring duties... Uh, I think it's different. Like, I think they would be better, but I'm not necessarily put them in contention for a title, just like they're not right now. Um, but I think they would be a bit better. Yeah. Yeah. My point is not to compare just to players. Yeah. It's more <laughs> that a player like Slocus or a replacement to Slocus eventually would be more important for this Olympiacos team because of that creation and adding that level of creation is something that really will help and will really impact Olympiacos ceiling. We know that they are a team with a very high floor and that can perform at a very good level and compete with almost anyone in the EuroLeague. But uh, a creator, a player that is more on the lines of slow because it is one of the two players that they lost in relation to the super machine of flying basketball they had last season, is probably at this moment a more important uh, player for them to find than exactly a replacement for the for Vzenkov. And that was obviously my point, not as much to compare <laughs> the two players that are great. And yes, I also agree that Vzenkov is slightly better player. I also agree that probably will be slightly better, but it wouldn't make a massive difference on the way that they are performing so far in the, this edition of the EuroLeague. But let's continue. And before we dive into our preview of the game between Maccabi and Real, let's recap the last game of round 10. An impressive win from Milano on the road and on a very challenging court, as Red Star's home court is. 
as we reach the end of round 10, we find out the other co-MVP of this round, Maudolo, who alongside Sean Larkin had the two top performances of uh, this round 10. Maudolo contributed for this Milano victory in a very significant way. And we have emphasized over and over again in the, the podcast the importance of Milano's backcourt performing well and low standout performance certainly helped them in the, to win this game and to, to just perform at a much higher level. He scored 32 points, added four rebounds, three assists and two steals to his personal count in a game where the Milano's most valuable player for the season, Nikola Mirotic, wasn't at his best Shields and Miley stepped up and performed at a very high level, the at the level that this team needed. And Milan seems to be finding ways to play more as a team, to, to take advantage of the, the team as a whole and not depend so much on, on some of their individual talents, which for me is crucial for them to take the necessary steps to become contenders, to become a playoff team and to, to keep climbing the, the stairs for them to reach the level that the talent of this roster can reach. Red Star has been inconsistent this season so far and they are currently in 16th place in the standings with three wins and seven losses. And while they typically perform better at home, and uh, they usually shoot better at home, they struggle this game. They went 7 out of 27 from 3 against uh, Red Hot Milano that uh, shot 17 out of 27 from behind the arc, including 6 out of 7 from the game MVP, Maudolo. This was a very important win for Milano. They propelled them for the 12th place in the standings with 4 wins and 6 losses. What has improved for Milano and what needs to improve for Red Star? Well, what improved for Milano was having a, another guy outside of Shields or Miritic contribute as far as scoring goes. Uh, I think that was the most important part of, of this game. Uh, Modolo did just that. I mean, dropping 32 uh, in that court uh, in Serbia is definitely <laughs> not easy. And that was a great performance from him. Uh, Milano shot 17 out of 27 from three. So I, I guess that will give you a good chance to win any game. <laughs> Um, and then for, for Red Star, if Davidovac is your best scorer, something ain't right. So it was just a bad, uh, overall bad game for them. Um, but this is the type of game that Milano can have once another guy steps up. And we've talked about this for many episodes. Like they need somebody else stepping up, and especially on the backcourt. And this is what happened. So this is the result. Like if you have another guy giving them that help, they're really an elite team and they can be a contender if that happens consistently. So I, I think that was the key here. Yeah, it was a key. And that is what will unlock the not only just a particular player, but the, the whole team because the game just becomes way easier. We know that they have depth of talent. They just need to have... Uh, playmaker, uh, someone on the backcourt just stepping up and the, the game will get easier for everyone and Milano will be able to play up to the level of their talent and will be able to be contending for the playoffs, will be able to be contender, try to contend to, to reach uh, at least the fight to be on the final four. Let's conclude this episode by looking ahead to the upcoming game between Maccabi and Real Madrid. It's scheduled for Tuesday, November 28th. Real Madrid remains undefeated in this edition of the EuroLeague and we have been talking about how dominant they have been so far. A win for Maccabi would place them in a four-way tie for fourth place with six wins and four losses alongside Paratinaikos, Olympiacos and Monaco. On the other hand, a loss would position them in a five-way tie 
for the places 7th to 11th, alongside Basconia, Fenerbahce, Valencia and Efes. Having lost two out of their previous three games, Maccabi needs to enter this game with focus and readiness for the 40 minutes of high-level basketball that they need to play to stand a chance against Real Madrid. There is no other way to compete against this Real Madrid team. Maccabi's strengths this season lie in their offensive rebounding, where they lead the league with 14 offensive rebounds per game. Their steals, where they rank second in with 8.2 per game. But in this game, they will face Real Madrid, the team that leads the league in the first of rebounds at 27.3 and in assists at 23 per game. So it won't be easy for Maccabi to impose themselves as they can do against other teams. Other two aspects of the game where Maccabi has been elite are the assists, where they well, they trail only to Real Madrid, and on blocks, when again, they trail only to Real. Is this the case that Maccabi is just overmatch? Can they disrupt Real Madrid enough during this match? Uh, well, I do think they are overmatched, and I think this is the type of matchup that would have been great for Maccabi if they had their fans right there with them. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, yeah, I think this would have been the type of matchup that Maccabi would win just for having those fans there. We know how good they used to be at home. So obviously Real Madrid is the better team. They are more talented. Uh, I think Yabuzeli not being available is uh, obviously it sucks because it's an injury, but it's very good for Maccabi's chances because Bonzi Colson now can have an advantage there on that matchup. I, I would take him over Gabriel Deck on that one. So maybe Maccabi can explore something there. And they do have two guys who can create at a very high level. So they have a chance. But would I pick them? Uh, I mean, probably not, especially without the fans. It would be hard for me to pick them if they were playing at really at home with their fans, let alone in these type of conditions. Uh, but I think they have a, a small chance. Like when you have those two guys, if they can play at a high level, if they can break down Real Madrid's defense and get open sh- open shots for, for the other guys, I think they have a chance. But Real Madrid is just too consistent. They With the leadership of Campazzo now, it's just going to be so hard for any team to beat them. But uh, if, there's, if there are some teams that have a chance, I mean, we talked about this when Real Madrid played Monaco and we thought Monaco had a chance and then we saw what happened. Uh, I do think... <laughs> I do think Maccabi has pieces to, to be able to give Real Madrid a fight, but uh, it's going to be very hard. I mean, Real Madrid is just so fucking good, man. Yeah, they are. They are an impressive basketball team. They are very complete, very deep. They are very hard to beat. And what you just said, it's it's a big factor. Like, we know how good this Maccabi team, they, they had the best home court of the EuroLeague last season. And the great season that they are having, despite being forced to play their home games in a neutral court and not in Tel Aviv in front of their fans, it speaks volumes of, of the, the good season that they are being able to have regardless. And you mentioned Bozzi Colson against Gabriel Dyke. That certainly will be an important matchup for this game. Uh, I will go ahead and speak about another individual matchup that will be very important for this game. And you certainly also think that is a very important matchup for this game, the matchup between Campazzo and Lorenzo Brown. They are undoubtedly uh, a matchup to watch on this game. Both teams have multiple weapons to attack this game from very different angles, but these two players have been instrumental in orchestrating their respective offenses. Lorenzo Brown is averaging 7.2 assists per game, Campazzo 8.3, and they hold the top two spots in the EuroLeague for the assists per game. They are two of the best playmakers of the EuroLeague, and they certainly will be very important on this game. I anticipate a compelling battle between these playmakers in a duel that could significantly impact this game outcome. 
which other individual matchups we should consider or which other aspects of the game we should consider to, to be monitoring during this matchup? Uh, I think Maccabi's decision-making, especially Wade, uh, I think he needs to be uh, stable emotionally and not le- because it, it could be a frustrating game if Real Madrid uh, gets a lead or if it's a close game and then things don't start going his way. We know how he usually reacts to those moments. Um, but I think if him and Lorenzo are capable uh, of just controlling the game and, and trying to impose their their game, like their backcourt uh, on the game, I think it would be very good for Maccabi. But, uh, I mean, you you said Campazzo and Lorenzo Brown. We can go Wade and Musa, like mm-hmm. Bonzi Colson with Deck or Ezonia. Like, you have so many. Uh, Maccabi has all of those bigs, even though there's not one where you can say, oh, he's one of the top centers in, in the league. Uh, but they have a lot of options there and Obviously, against Valtor Tavares, it could be a very fun matchup on the glass. So I think we have a lot of stuff to look at on this game. And I think it's going to be a great one. Yeah, it will be a game that will be worth to tune in for. And uh, this is the type of game where Valtor Tavares can try to impose himself and be the difference maker. We have seen him doing that for this Real Madrid team. And this is one of the ways that uh, this matchup can, can go. This With this, we wrap up this uh, episode, another episode of our European Hoops podcast. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Tito Zero League. Don't forget to share the podcast with your friends. Help us to grow so we continue to deliver all things Zero League to you for free. As always, I look forward to be talking with you guys soon. Bye, guys. See you all next episode.